Hi, I'm Jane Garvey. And I'm Fee Glover. Off Air with Jane and Fee is going live. We are taking to the stage at the amazing Crucible Theatre in Sheffield on Friday the 31st of May. It'll be a night full of surprises. We'll have a special guest, we'll involve you in the audience and we'll embarrass ourselves. You really won't want to miss it. Well, the surprises, we don't yet know what's in it, so it genuinely is a night of surprises. Well, you've surprised me already. Uh, it's not just us. Our live show is part of an exciting new podcast festival called Crossroads wires which is taking place in some really amazing venues across Sheffield from the 31st of May to the 2nd of June. So other podcasters that you'll be able to see include Katie Price, Catherine Ryan, Ramesh Ranganathan and the original Adam Buxton. But there's also a whole host of free fringe events, family shows, surprise acts and after parties that Jane and I haven't yet been invited to. I'm sure it's only a matter of time. Head to crosswires.live for tickets and more information. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast. I'm Callum Jones. It's been quite a week for high street giants in Westminster, in the midst of two separate select committee inquiries into two very different scandals. Sports Direct owner Mike Ashley was first to appear this week, having finally agreed to take MPs' questions about employment conditions at his retailer. The following day, it was the turn of Dominic Chappelle, the final owner of BHS before it collapsed into administration. Our retail editor, Deirdre Hipwell, joins us to discuss where these sagas will turn next. Also, in the final fortnight of the European referendum campaign, British businesses are unsure whether they are counting down to the end of months of uncertainty or the beginning of many more. Matt Chorley, the editor of Times Red Box, will be giving us his take. And, looking ahead to George Osborne's annual Mansion House speech, Catherine Griffiths, our banking editor, joins us to discuss what the Chancellor might say to the city and what his audience might want to tell him. First up, more than six weeks have passed since BHS collapsed into administration. Last week, it was confirmed that administrators had failed to find a buyer, with 11,000 jobs at risk. This week, Dominic Chappelle, the chain's final owner, appeared before MPs in something of a blockbuster grilling. In a separate hearing beforehand, he was branded a Premier League liar by BHS management. It was also alleged that Mr Chappelle threatened to kill the retailer's chief executive during his time as owner, something he denied. So Deirdre, what did we learn yesterday? Uh, Well, we learned that the former owners of BHS spent the first and only year of ownership of BHS in a state of complete chaos, blazing rows, allegations of theft, and basically nobody was really keeping their eye on the ball, which was trying to get the British public to shop at BHS again, which, to be honest, has been a problem for the retailer for about the past 10 years. But key things we did learn... Dominic Chappelle had fallen out with the management that he put in place to run BHS in in the weeks preceding to its collapse, which created a massive corporate governance issue, which ultimately probably made it inevitable that the chain would fall into administration. And there were astounding claims on both sides, really, weren't there? There were. Darren Top, the um, chief exec of BHS, who does come from a retailing background, he used to work at Tesco, Marks and Spencers, he claimed that... Dominic Chappelle had told him that he was in the helicopter squad of the SAS and that he was going to kill him and he had a gun. And this was 
in response to the transfer of £1.5 million of money out of BHS to a company called BHS Sweden, which has no links to BHS, I hasten to add, that had been manually transferred by Dominic Chappelle. And when Darren Top found out about it, he said his first instinct was to call the police. He didn't. He called Dominic Chappelle and said, what are you doing with this money? And he said it was for professional fees, which by anyone's measure, is a lot of money for professional fees. <laughs> Matt, MPs really got stuck in there, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, it makes sometimes these select committee hearings can be a bit on the dry side. <laughs> but a big argument about whether or not somebody owns a gun is quite near the top of the list of you know what makes for an interesting select committee hearing. I think actually one of the interesting things that's happened with select committees over the last maybe five years, because the chairman are now elected, it's not just seen as a place for party whips to stick people to keep them quiet and and it's quite a big job now I mean you get paid as much being a chairman of select committee as you do if you're a minister and some of them are more grandstanding than others but actually being able to to get these people into the public domain and sort of air all their dirty washing in public and and find out all this amazing stuff that was going on because actually some people I think when they find out BHS is going they think well why is that I've not been shopping there but when I popped in it sort of seemed all right and that's and actually like we were just saying the the what was going on for the last year behind the scenes is absolutely extraordinary. And mm. uh, in that sense, I think, you know, th- this is Parliament doing its job properly. And I think there are a lot of MPs who've got a bee in their bonnet at the moment about standing up to people who are in business but just don't behave properly. The big issue around this is around pensions. And this is one of the ricks. There were two inquiries going on into the collapse of BHS. Where Parliament or MPs come in is whether or not the current law as they have set it is working properly if somebody can sell a business for a pound, having made a lot of money out of it, and then somebody else comes along and basically runs it into the ground in 12 months and then causes a massive problem for people who've got pensions in it. How on earth did Philip Green think it was acceptable to sell BHS to Dominic Chappelle and how did the business collapse? And then was the regulatory regime around pensions fit for purpose because we've had a lot of evidence over the past few weeks about how there were attempts made to try and restructure the pension but the interplay between the Pension Protection Fund and the pension regulator seems quite cumbersome at best. Catherine, do you think grillings like this actually work? I I mean, I think it varies a lot and it has varied over the years an awful lot, but I think they can be absolutely brilliant and certainly the ones this week and, and hopefully next week with Philip Green will be brilliant because it's that great combination of it being in the public domain and, of course, the the privilege that um, MPs can use to ask whatever they want. I mean, to be perfectly honest, though, I mean, there have been some great performances, but I think MPs really can still raise their game. I mean, it was actually journalists, I think, Deirdre, after the one this week, who asked whether, in fact, Dominic Chappelle had a gun, wasn't it, I think? It the was. allegation was made, and then no-one thought that they would bother to ask him. Yeah, they're, not, they're not always the the most uh, <laughs> adept. And some, some are better than others. You know, your Keith Vaz type showboating chairman are quite good at spotting this is the line which is going to get us on the front page tomorrow and some of the others just really aren't and I think you know that that probably says something about just the quality of MPs generally and their ability to prepare for something like that because it's a big deal and I think sometimes they come up again people who run big companies are smart people and they need to be facing smart people. Deirdre, as Catherine just mentioned, we've got Sir Philip Green before the committee next week. This All, all Dominic Chappelle's uh, appearance really did was heap more pressure on Sir Philip Green, did it not? 
Absolutely. I think he is under a tremendous amount of pressure. I, I mean, to explain in a capsule why that is, this is a man who bought BHS. The, the deal to buy BHS in 2000 catapulted him into the, the big corporate world, made him the, you know, the, the retailer that he is now and, and basically helped enrich him and his family because the family in a three-year period between 2002 and 2004 took out close to £440 million of dividends. So Philip Green and his family have become very wealthy, also through his own efforts, I'm sure, but BHS was a vehicle for their wealth and now what we're looking at is 15 years of his ownership. He seems... And obviously he has to have his side, but he seems to have sold it to possibly the least qualified person to ever own. uh, Absolutely, ever ever own a business. (laughs) He's been declared bankrupt three times. He seems to be an individual who surrounds himself by um, highly paid advisors. And as Michael Hitchcock, the CEFO of BHS said you can't make any decisions by committee. He said they were having meetings to try and save BHS and he said there would be about 20 people around the table. (laughs) So you had accountants, lawyers, and that's just not a a way to revive a business. So I think Philip Green is under a lot of pressure, but I think he, from his point of view, will be wanting to show to the MPs that he made every effort while he owned it to invest in that business, that he was always thinking about the pensioners and that he left the business in a good shape when he sold it to Chappelle and what Chappelle did with it afterwards. He is in the field of retail, but he's made his money from getting hard-working people to go into his shops to buy clothes. He really needs to show some respect to those people and come along and properly explain what's gone on and and make it right by writing a a whacking great cheque for the pensioners. And I think also lots of people would say, if you take that pension liability into account, that business has been trading in an insolvent fashion, which is against the law, some people might say. Matt? I was just going to say, in, in Westminster, there's already talk that if he doesn't turn up with his chequebook next week, that, that that's when the calls for him to lose his knighthood will will properly start. And I think there's a even on, even on the government benches, Tory MPs will be ready to say he, he should lose his knighthood about it. Deirdre? I think, though, the real issue is even if he writes a cheque, the way the pension system is structured and the pension protection fund, even if he were to write a cheque for 300 million, that would not go, that 300 million would not go to the BHS pensioners. It would go to the pension protection fund for the benefit of all the pension schemes in the PPF. And that's part of the problem about the system. Even if he wants to write that cheque, he can't necessarily ensure it'll benefit all the BHS pensioners. It'll just reduce the levy for all the other Maybe you should write individual checks for each pension. Well, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I dare you to personally. suggest that to Philip Green and see how he reacts. Yeah, well, Matt, we'll leave, we'll leave that one with you. Uh, let's move on. We're recording this week's podcast exactly a fortnight before British voters head to the polls in the European referendum. The polls, if you trust them, don't suggest a significant lead for one side or the other. Currently, the bookmakers say there is a 74% chance of a Remain vote and a 26% chance of Brexit. Matt, do you think when David Cameron delivered his Bloomberg speech three and a half years ago announcing the referendum that he foresaw where we would be right now with the Conservative Party so bitterly divided and the out campaign appearing to have a genuine fighting chance? Well, I don't think he thought then he would ever get an overall Tory majority, so it was possibly something he never actually had to deliver. because if. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. He was back in coalition with the Lib Dems. He might not have had to deliver it. Uh, he might have thought that he could have relied on, back in those days, Boris Johnson was quite pro immigration and Europe and that sort of thing. So he might, thought, he might not have seen this, the people who've lined up on the Leave side in quite the same way. David comes the sort of person who only really thinks about stuff when he's really got his back against the wall and he's very good at, you know, those situations. You know, let's get over this crisis. Let's not worry about the next one. So, yeah, no, I think where he is now, he obviously they'd love to be 10, 20 points ahead in the polls. They still insist that underneath it all, Remain still think that everything is in their favour and that there'll be a late swing because there always is towards the status quo the closer we get. Uh, the polls, I don't think, are telling us anything. People get very excited when one poll puts leave ahead and then the stock market reacts terribly whenever uh, the leave goes ahead and the pound falls and all that. Mm. But I'm not sure we know. I mean, the, the the exciting bit for those of us in cover politics is we don't know. Mm. And with two weeks to go, what have your highlights been so far? You've been covering it on a daily basis with your email and for the Redbox website. What, what have the best bits been for you so far? In a funny way, I think the best bits of the campaign could be still to come mm-hmm. because this is the point. Uh, there's a slight mood in Westminster for journalists being fed up with the referendum. You know, they, they, they've written it all before. You get a call from a spin dot saying, oh, we're doing a story next week about, oh, tomorrow about house prices. And you say, we did house prices two weeks ago. And they say, yeah, but nobody was listening then. And, you know, this is the point, just at the point when journalists are fed up with it. This is the point when our readers start tuning into it and, and they'll start making up their minds in the next couple of weeks. I think the TV debates will be interesting. The Boris Johnson uh, one against Nicholas Sturgeon, which is happening tonight. I think that will be interesting. So far, there haven't really been any great standout moments, I don't mm. think. Catherine, uh, obviously Matt touched on it a little bit there, but this has had a huge effect on business, hasn't it, the campaign so far? Uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, business has clearly got very, very strong views, largely in favour of staying within the EU, um, unsurprisingly, given given how much big business in this country has lots of ties with overseas. I cover banks, and we had a very senior banker recently tell us he felt paralyzed by just the sheer uncertainty and the sort of all the unknowns around Brexit. And Deirdre, some interesting divisions when you look at some of Britain's biggest countries. I mean, we had a time survey last month which found that most favoured remain, but there are some honourable exceptions like just this week JCB, for example. Absolutely. But sometimes I think some of those um, businessmen stepping out, it might be their own personal opinion, because I think 
almost 95% across the board, most business would support staying in the EU, partly because in the short term, most consensus seems to think that sterling could um, depreciate by as much as 20%, which means um, importing, exporting becomes a lot harder, which means consumer goods will go up. Few people know that Britain is a world leader in in prepared chilled (laughs) foods. Marks and Spencer's invented it. And we've actually become a world leader. And Britain sets some of the the standards and technical specifications for around the world. Mm. If we're not in the EU, will Britain have the same impact? You know, I think the people who want out say, of course, it won't make any difference. But I think it actually could. So I think the chances of coming out increases the risks. Whereas I think for business who don't like uncertainty, I think most of them would rather stay in. Matt, you've been bullying guests on your podcast for months now to to make their predictions as to what will happen. What's your best guess? Well, on our red box sweepstake, I think my prediction I did some time ago, I think it's either 58 or 59% for Remain. Okay. Uh, Are you standing by that? I well, I sort of got to because it's on the on the <laughs> graph. Uh, I, it feels like it's tighter than that. I still wouldn't totally rule out that happening if there is the late swing that a lot of people expect it at the moment it feels tighter than that but Mm -hmm. it feels to me like the closer we get to it in the same way that business doesn't like uncertainty most people don't like uncertainty Mm. and what i think leave hasn't done is they've spent a lot of time telling us nothing's going to change it's going to be about you know that will that won't change that won't change it's going to be about the same what they haven't yet proved is it's going to be loads better if we leave and that's how you get people to take that leap into the dark and that that so far hasn't happened after the break we'll be looking ahead to the chancellor's mansion house address The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year. Time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insight and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. Next week sees the Chancellor deliver his annual remarks to the city in the Mansion House Address. Catherine, how do you think George Osborne will be received by his audience on Thursday? Um, I think probably reasonably well, because I don't think George Osborne is going to go in for a particularly controversial Mansion House speech on Thursday, a mere week away from the vote on Brexit. I think the Chancellor is very, very likely to make his case again, but you know, probably nothing we haven't heard before. Interestingly, actually, Mark Carney, the governor of the Bank of England, I think will probably avoid the whole subject. He's courted quite a bit of controversy in the last few months by being, some would say, quite hawkish in this whole debate by putting forward some fairly forthright views in favour of staying in the EU, something that certainly MPs like Jacob Rees-Mogg believe is inappropriate for someone who's the governor of the Bank of England. Anyway, nonetheless, I think a week before, I think Carney is going to um, steer clear. So I think we're going to get a pretty um, anodyne, I was going to say conservative, but obviously conservative, anodyne (laughs) mansion house. So in the case of banks, in the past, we've seen some sort of fireworks, you know, sort of four or five percent being wiped off the share price of Royal Bank of Scotland because the Chancellor has chosen to say, oh, let's actually have a review into whether you should break up RBS. I think we'll see none of that this time. I think there'll be some city announcements. Um, I think fintech, the new thing that everyone loves, that's uh, financial technology for those who can't stand acronyms, will be in there. But um, it'll be uh, low-key in in my view. Is he as popular as he used to be among among these people? Osborne? Mm. I guess at the moment, 
everyone is seeing things through the Brexit lens, aren't they? So he's popular with all the businesses who want to, to stay in the EU. Um, I mean, as we all know, he's been sort of shifting himself a bit to the sort of centre ground to make himself into the the lovable person who could become our next Prime Minister. I don't think business does like that enormously. I mean, they don't tend to like things like a sugar tax, I would say, Deirdre, I don't know. No, absolutely. And I mean, whether or not it'll even um, work in reducing <laughs> obesity, who knows? But um, certainly it's it's quite a heavy-handed approach to what is actually quite a complicated issue around for food manufacturers but I would say given how long Osborne's been at it so he's had you know however long to kind of mess up actually I think he's he's got a pretty strong robust record with business most of the mistakes he's made have been sort of high profile but almost cosmetic in as much as you know whether it's been on pasty tax or benefit cuts whatever uh he's done u-turns which politically damage him but actually doesn't affect business or the economy in in a in a great way this is his seventh Mansion House speech, Matt. Will it be his last? Oh, well, a lot of that depends on what happens on June the 23rd mm. because there is a very clear sense that if it's a vote for Brexit, David Cameron and guilt by association, George Osborne will be out of the door pretty quickly. Basically, it'll be who can do it faster. Can, can <laughs> they get out before um, the Brexiteers march on Downing Street and try and price them out? Otherwise, if it's a Remain vote, David Cameron's very keen to stay for as long as he can because he wants the write-up when he finally leaves Downing Street to be about something else other than the Tory party tearing itself apart of Europe. So he'd quite like to uh, be there for a good couple of years to talk about life chance and that sort of thing. I think actually the thing that we'll see most from the Osborne speech is an attempt to make sure we don't see anything from it. I think the idea the week before the referendum vote that they want to see the Chancellor in, is it white, white tie? Yes. <laughs> Surrounded yes. by bankers, quaffing from gold-plated... Um, Whatever they quaff on, sure. uh, that's. I mean, that is it because there was a real one of the really interesting things about how the vote will go is London, the southeast, is very Remainy. You get north of uh, Bristol almost, and you suddenly start tipping into very Brexit areas. And I think it's the us and them thing being dictated to by London. We should stay because we know what's best for you. Your bosses tell you, you know, the IMF and the Bank of England, everyone tells you what's best for you. There's a real pushback against that. And I think the idea mm. of the Chancellor in his white tie and the bankers telling us what's best for us. If they can keep it off the telly, they'll be very pleased. Final thought from Deirdre. Well, unless he, maybe he talks about his northern powerhouse and how oh, he's God. doing for the region. That definitely won't get on the telly. <laughs> but there, has, there have been, you know, a few uh, businesses which have announced investment plans there. Burberry is building its new facility for the trench coat up in uh, Leeds somewhere. And I think it was um, earlier this week, Peel Holdings, which is a massive, massive company owned by John Whitaker, announced a, a big investment project in Media City in Salford, which, mm. of course, where the BBC is, and they're going to be developing 12 more buildings etc etc so i don't know maybe we'll we'll see a bit of him trying to convince the regions that you know if they remain they'll have some good things coming their way Mm. well on that note that's about all we've got time for this week robert miller will be back next week in the meantime you can follow the latest on the new times website and we're also all on twitter many thanks to matt to deirdre and Catherine for joining us here in the studio to our producer charlie jones and to you for listening the times business podcast is sponsored by Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 